by Lonnie Ree, Celestial Falls, Book 3. When magic goes awry, fairy tales come to life. The beautiful Kirby witch's spell goes astray and snares the big bad wolf. One second, I'm happy with my solitary life, then boom, I feel like I've been clobbered between the eyes by two by four. She turns my world upside down and my cravings for the little vixen roar out of control. Her crystal ball is wrong. Is telling me there's no way a grumpy wolf and free-spirited witch are mates. My wolf knows she's mine, and I have my work cut out for me. It won't be easy to convince my stubborn little soulmate to see the truth, but this stubborn wolf loves a good fight. Look out, little witch. Your growly wolf is coming for you. That's Hexes and Howls by Lonnie Ree, Celestial Falls, Book 3. Grab it now in Kindle Unlimited. It's live this Thursday, October 21st. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, welcome, lady listeners. We have Isla Glass with us this week. She's brought us a book called Julia's Desire. And I want us to talk about how Isla spells her name as A-I-L-A, Glass. And I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. I thought it was maybe like Ayla, but I messaged her. I emailed her and I was like, hey, do you mind just like recording your voice? Because she tried to type it out phonetically. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I still don't get it. Because like I never would have got it the way you said. I know. I I totally didn't get it. Even when she like tried to phonetically type it out, I'm terrible with that. I'm an author, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So like I, I messaged her and she made a video of her saying it for me. So it's Isla Glass, and she's like I said, she's brought Julia's Desire this week, and we've have lots of good stuff to talk about her in just a little bit. But we're gonna catch up and chit chat before then. Um. My first grievance for today is... You have a grievance? I have lots of grievances. I have a whole list of them. No, I don't really. I'm just irritated. But so we have um, on Mondays, sometimes my Monday is when Girl Scouts fall on the same night as other stuff. It gets really fucking busy. And like I'm running around. We don't get home till 7 o'clock. And so I usually just pick up fast food for the kids or whatever they want. Like I'll eat leftovers. I don't care. And so, um, we go to McDonald's and I order them just two six piece kids meals and I order a fruit punch and a Sprite for my kids. And she's like, we don't have fruit punch. I was like, do you have high C? And she was like, nope, we're out of that too. I was like, do you have a lemonade? Out of that. And I was like, chocolate milk? She's like, yep, that'll work. I'm like, okay. So the other one, she's like, yeah, we don't have any ice for the Sprite. And I was like, you're out of ice? And she was like, yeah, we don't have any ice. And I was like what is happening right now? And I was like, is your ice cream machine working? Like, I just want to know what alternate universe I was in. I actually in. figured out what, what was the deal with the ice cream machine. I had heard that it, is it because they, it takes a while to clean them? Is that right? Nope. What is it? So when they bought these ice cream machines, a company made them and they made them just for McDonald's or whatever. Uh-huh. And they wouldn't, and then anytime it broke, they had to call this company out to come and fix it oh, shit. when really it just needed like a few tools or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they went to like lawsuit. Oh shit. And this went down to litigation and whatever. And now the company had to end up supplying this only settled out. Like I think a month ago, I read Nuh-uh. the article. Yeah. And they had to hand over 
the mechanical tools to work on the ice cream machine so that they can try to quick fix it. Holy shit. So they haven't been allowed to, like, fix their ice cream machine. Okay. So when it goes down, they have to call in service from this company only because they have special tools for them, which is kind of smart. It is smart. Yeah. I I didn't know any of this either until my son brought it to my attention because of TikTok. Holy something. shit. And then I looked it up and I was like, okay. Fucking TikTok's making now. us learn. You know what though? I had heard that it was because it took them so long to clean the machine that they did it and then they wouldn't like, they didn't want to do it at the end of shift. But I was like, most of these are open 24 hours. Like, I don't know. I think some might close it early. Maybe. Like close the machines because it takes a minute to break down. So they just break it down real yeah. quick. But my thing is like. It's silly because the latest thing people are going to come to the exactly. drive for. Is sweets. 100%. If I'm leaving the house at 9 o'clock at night, it's usually to get a sweet. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going out for ice cream. That's mm-hmm. what I'm leaving my house for at 9 o'clock. So, so we got home, and and then I realized, like, we had eaten, like, I had cooked and stuff over the weekend, but we had eaten everything that I cooked, so I had cereal for dinner. So that was, like, that's where I'm at right now on my level of my day. That I got home after 7 and I had to, like, answer emails and get stuff ready. And then I was like, well, I'm eating cereal tonight. Like, I just was really salty about it. So, I don't know. I mean, McDonald's, what are you doing? Like, how do you, how does a billion-dollar company just be like, bread ice? I <laughs> like, no how idea. does that happen? And you know I'm what? Like, I'm leaving. I actually custom order mine. I'm like, extra ice. Mm-hmm. All the ice to the top. <laughs> My thing is, it's like, I'm not going to stop going there. No. <laughs> that that's just the way it is. I'm not gonna stop. I'm just because they complain. have special soda. Did you know that too? No. Is that why I don't like their soda? That might be. I love their soda. Do you? They actually diff- have a their soda has like a little bit of a different formula. So if you're ever like, what? why do I just love the McDonald's soda? Uh-uh. It's because it's not the classic Coca Cola. Maybe maybe you're right because I like the Coke there, but the Diet Coke to me tastes really funny. I don't like it. No, it's a little bit different, and I can taste it. I don't normally, like, I don't get Coke at home. Yeah, Those yeah. Are, I like Dr. Pepper and stuff, but I go to McDonald's, I get a Coke. Oh, I'm going to try that next time and see. Yeah, because when I go there and I get their Diet Coke, I don't like it, so I get something different. Because I always, I just, I love Diet Coke. It, it, I don't know. I wonder if the Diet Coke mm-hmm. is different. I'm guessing so. It, I guess it would have to be if the syrup is, I don't know. Let's have a whole podcast about it. <laughs> The other thing I wanted to ask you about was if you remember working a real job, if you can go back to that time in your mind, I was watching this thing today and it was talking about, um, it was on Instagram. This woman was talking about like workplace, how people aren't putting up with shit anymore. You know, like how the workforce is pushing back. Yeah. And in ridiculous things that, you know, that people have sort of convinced us is normal. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, the man has convinced us, like, you need to put up with this. And I thought back to a bank that I worked at and how fucking ridiculous this is. Listen, they had a policy that you could only take two Mondays and Fridays, for, or Friday, Monday, you could take two of those a year. You could not have more than two long weekends in a year. And everybody just agreed to it. Yeah. And I remember when I started working there and it told me, and I had been in finance for about 10 years at that time. 
And we relocated to this town. And it was when I lived in New Bern. And we relocated. And I started in a new bank. And they told me that. And I said, you're full of shit. I laughed in this woman's face. I was like, no. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to do that. And she was like, it's I'm my days off. Yeah. She I'll said, that's our policy. Off. I said, why is that your policy? And she said, because people will take advantage of it if we don't. And I said, that, using my days off yeah. as taking advantage. Yeah. You, and that's exactly what I said. I said, using the days that you give me off is being taken advantage. She said, well, it's hard to find coverage because everybody asks for a Friday off. And I said, then you need to look at who asks first. You can't just say nobody can, you can do it twice a year. I was like, that's bullshit. Like what kind of arbitrary policy is this to where we're just all like, yeah, like everybody seemed fine with it. This one woman went to Hawaii for a month. She had, she had over a month of vacation time. She had saved up. And she had to get permission from like our corporate headquarters to take this time off because she was going to be gone for so long. And I get it. Like a month is a long time to take off. But if you have the days and they're like, they're like, it's an exception. She can't take any more like holidays the rest of the year. And this was in like May. She was taking this vacation. And I was like, so she doesn't get Christmas off. Because, like, it just, it did not compute. And I wondered, like, is this, was this just in banking that people were assholes about this? Or was this everywhere? Like, do you remember having this issue at all with, like, vacation days and shit? No, not really. But I worked, like, fast food and serving jobs. You switch shifts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have, like, really scheduled. Mm -hmm. You picked your days. If you need a day covered, Mm -hmm. switch shifts. I would agree with that. Yeah. When I waited tables, that was much easier to just be like, oh, let's swap shifts or like, does anybody want to pick mine up? I need these days or whatever. Yeah. You sort of like figured it out amongst yourselves, which I kind of feel like is almost a better policy than someone just micromanaging and dictating the time that you've worked for. It seems like if you have it, they shouldn't be able to stop you unless I feel like the only circumstance they should be able is if somebody else already blocked those days. And they're like, come on, somebody already took the day. Yeah, yeah. Can you work with us here? That was my whole argument. I said, so if nobody has these vacation days booked, I can't, still can't take this Friday because I've already taken a Friday twice this year. Like in the whole year, I can only have two Fridays off. I was like, what am I going to do? And she was like, well, you can work like Tuesday. She was like, you can work Monday and Friday and just have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. And I was like, do you hear yourself right now? Do you hear what you're saying? You want me to have off a long weekend and, and or have a weekend off, come and work Monday, have three more days off and then come work Friday and have two days off. Like, this is just is so asinine to me. I could not wrap my head around it. I did not work there long. <laughs> I didn't. I think I was there, like, maybe a year before. That was when we started writing full time. And I was like, I would rather work writing my ass off than put up with this bullshit. Uh, that was when you came to visit. You came to the beach. And I had to, like, say I, I was sick. Yeah. Because they weren't going to okay. give me the days off. So I was like, That's well, right. I'll just be sick these days. Oops. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because it was, like, a Friday-Monday thing. And they wouldn't give it to me. And I was like, well, just call out. That's, Guess that's... I'll fucking lie to you. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> okay. You know what's going to be funny is when I'm not here on those days I asked off for. So... 
Anyways, um, I finished reading Fury this weekend. I actually finished it last night. Um, you know, we talked about it last week. It's Fury by Lauren Donner. It's the first book in the new species series. I have them all on audio. I can't remember the last time I listened to an audio because even as I was listening, I was like, oh my God, it's been so long since I've listened to this that I had forgotten the order in which things happen. Like I remember, I remembered what happened, Mm -hmm. but there was one part where Ellie is like going to speak to the public and Fury tells the guy, he's like, he tells Justice, he's like, I don't want her speaking to the people. They say mean things to her and it hurts her feelings. <laughs> and it's just, it is so ridiculous that I just, I laughed and laughed and laughed. And I was like, I love this book so much because it's just so over the top ridiculous. He's so in love with her. He's obsessed with her. And I think the thing that I took away from this the now reading it even years and years later because I think it was like 2007 maybe or something when I downloaded these books I, I have to go back and look maybe maybe it was later than that but you know reading them now the difference in it is what I love so much was the amount of sex that was in this book that is detailed. I mean, it's every chapter and it's all amazing in the way that he just keeps coming in her. It's just so good. It's awesome because it's just like, of course. He doesn't uh, want to hurt her, but he wants to go harder and yep. he can't stop. And, and then his like, like cock swells up and he can't pull out. He has to wait for it to go down. And oh my God, it's just ridiculous. And the fact that he's like, he keeps talking about mounting her. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And then like, uh, when she finally has like sex on top and how like upset he is with <laughs> the face he makes and how upset he is. It's so good. I can't get over this. You know, it's, it, like I said, it had been a really long time since I had read that book. And I just thought, well, I'm back in this now. I'm going to have to read the second one. So I <laughs> started favorite, saying. That's favorite, isn't it? Like, yeah. That's actually one of my least favorite of the, like, if I had to pick out of the top seven, which I love. Yeah. Slade comes into my bottom, but he's an asshole hero. Yeah, I know. Which you I know. love. I'm I not do into love asshole heroes. Oh. He's so, but I love Trish too. She's one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. She's super smart too. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's kind of a badass. She gives it back to him. Yeah. Too. And that's why I think I like the two of them together because they have a lot of push. But I would say, obviously, Fury, I feel like he's in his own category almost. What I, about, you get it, really? What about book three? Which, Justice? Tammy? No, before, you're. You're forgetting V? No, Vintage is later. No, he's book three. Is he? Yeah. I thought it was like book six. No. Who am I thinking of? Valiant. That's who I was thinking of. That's book three. No. I thought his Valiant name- and Tamley. No, isn't his v. name Vicious, though? No, I think Vicious was a different character that came out in book like 12, 13. Okay. Then I don't remember. I'm going to have Maybe to that was that Darkness. It's been remember. so long. I like Justice's book. I love Slade's book. I like Tiger's book. I can't remember what came after that. I like that. Tiger's book, too. Mm-hmm. I liked all of them. Like, I, yeah. like, I'm thinking about them. I'm like, oh, I remember Bronze book. Uh-huh. I, remember, I remember how nuts he went. Yes. I liked when they started doing the gift females when they did that book. Was that Smiley's book? Yes, that was... um. Oh, Shadow. Shadow. Shadow, that's got right. With yeah, gift. got with and the gift female. 
I love that book because he was so scared to have sex with her, but there was a spider in her room and she like freaked out. <laughs> That's I a spider brought them really together. <laughs> God, it's such a good series. It's just there's, you know, I, I don't know. If if you're into shifters at all, even if you're not, it really is just it's so out there, it's so different. And I know I've mentioned it before, but if you like the Ruby Dixon Ice Planet Barbarians, Laura and Donner has a Zorn Warrior series that's like the heroes are a little meaner, but it's sort of like that alien race thing where they're aliens on another planet and they go and kidnap humans and they bring them to this world and they're kind of trying to adapt. So it's very similar to that. And then she's also got, um, what's that Wolf Shifter series that she had? Mating heat. Oh, mating oh. heat. Oh my, oh my god. god. That whole series is, is fucking dirty. It's nasty. It's so bad. Oh my god. Like two seconds into that first book, you remember they're out there against the wall and yeah. he's like coming on her and he's like, You made me do this. That series god, is actually so dirty. one that gets better with each book. Oh yeah, for sure. Oddly enough. Yeah. Each one gets better. Mm-hmm. Like I the heroes, mm-hmm. I get more likable to the heroes because those heroes are a little gruff in the beginning yeah she said she's gonna write more in that one one day and i was like i hope so i hope she writes forever and ever and ever so anyways those are all by lauren donner if you want to go check them out we watched the did you ever watch the sopranos on hbo did you ever watch that show did rob in and out of the sopranos me and rob weren't together when the sopranos were out were they Really? I think I was a kid. I think I was in high school. Shut up. Oh, my God. I feel so fucking old. No way. You're not that much older than me. I, I was in college. I remember. I never watched The Sopranos, but I think I remember mm. my dad watching The Sopranos, so I must have lived at home. Oh, maybe. I don't know when it came. 2007, maybe? No, it wasn't that late. Uh, anyways, so there is a like a movie out on HBO right now, and it's called like the I forget the name of it, but it's basically like the Soprano movie. Nineteen first episode was in nineteen ninety nine, so I would have been in middle school. Fuck you! I had already graduated high school at that point. I didn't graduate till two thousand and four. Mm. God, you're a child. <laughs> So, but, um, so the guy that played, um, you know, Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini, he passed away. So when they did this movie, it's a prequel and his son, Michael Gandolfini, plays him in this. He is phenomenal. He looks exactly like his dad. It is, and acts just like him. It was such a great, um, representation of that. Like, that was really cool to see. The show itself was... It was really hard to keep up with who is who because even my husband and I who have watched all the Sopranos, mm-hmm. it's been so long since we've seen him. We were like, who's that? Who's that? And he's like, that's Pussy. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot there was a guy named Pussy on the show. <laughs> like, that was his fucking name. And then, like, all this shit started coming back. And I was like, oh, my God, that's that guy. That's that guy. And so, um, but it's really, like, a big information dump. And then it just kind of ends. And so you're like, what was the plot? Like, it was, there was a lot that happening. They were, they're trying to revamp people in the yeah. younger generation to go back and watch all the Sopranos. I think either trying to get people to go back and watch it or they're trying to kick off a new one with this because they said it's definitely open for something more. I think I already knew my reader taste or had a feeling where I was going to go because I remember 
detesting The Sopranos. Really? Even back then? I just, like, I did not, it made me cringe, and I thought it was rude and gross, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, how do they all talk about loyalty? They're all cheating on their fucking wives. Yep. Loyalty my ass. Yep. That was one thing I remember I think it was more of the shock value a lot of the times I liked. I loved the family dynamic of, mm-hmm. like, his cousin Christopher and, like, Drea. Christopher's girlfriend, Drea. I was obsessed with her. I remember her, her and I yes. didn't even watch the show. I was obsessed with her. I loved her so much. And their relationship was so fucking toxic. It was. Oh, my I God. that. And... No, she has like, I don't know if it, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler. If you've never watched The Sopranos, just fast that's, forward a minute. That ship has sailed. <laughs> I know, right? It's been like 15 years, but go on. Like God, it has. Years. I was going to say shit. It's been like 22 years since I graduated. So, yeah. Um, and it, so she gets killed. And so everybody gets killed. Well, yeah, because like everybody she, dies well, she like talks to the feds. And mm-hmm. so that's why they do it. And I remember like she's walking in the woods because they're going to go show her something. And I was like crying. I was like sitting in my living room in my first house. And I was just sobbing because I was like, she's fucking dead. She's fucking, she's about to fucking die. It pissed me off because I think she was still trying to save him. She was. She was trying to save Christopher. When she was talking to talking, she was still, Uh her loyalty to him was so strong and he was not the same. Yeah. Gosh, it was such a good show. The The whole dynamic of it was good. I loved Tony's relationship with his therapist. That's yes, what I, I loved. remember that. The way he would talk to her was really interesting because I remember one time she challenged him about his gumad, like his girlfriend. And she was like, why do you feel like you have to do this? Why do you feel like you have to have a girlfriend? He's like, I do things to her I can't do to my wife. He was like, and she was like, I don't understand. Why can't your wife do these things? He was like, I'm not going to do those things to my wife. She kisses my children goodnight. And it was like, he couldn't do the filthy things he wanted to do to his wife. So we had a girlfriend to do those things because he, in his mind, he loved and respected his wife so much that he wouldn't do those things to her. And it was just like, that blew my fucking mind. The, the, the rationalization he had mm-hmm. in that, you know, it was, it was a really creative writing in how to not really justify it, but how his brain worked, like what his mentality was. You know that. what I do remember is that there is one guy that has the big wife. Yeah. The really chubby wife. And he's like obsessed with her. Oh, and is that when she dies and he has like the VD? Do you, do you remember that when he has I can't, the, I just remember the one mom the big guy ZD. had a very big mm-hmm. um, wife and uh-huh. he was like in love with her. Yeah, yeah. Like he was one of the ones that was actually mm-hmm. was really good to her. Uh-huh. I, I just, think, he always stood out in my mind. I think that's the one you're talking about. I think he went, I think his wife ends up dying. She has, like, cancer or something, and she made, like, baked ziti. Like, that was his favorite thing. He kept one in the freezer after she died because he didn't want to cook it because that was, like, her favorite thing. But he starts, like, Tony's sister, Janice, who was such a bitch, like, moved in. I remember. Oh, she just popped my head. Yep. And, like, she kind of moved in with him and was like, I'll just take care of you. I'll take care of the kids, blah, blah, And she kind of, like, just wiggled her way into it because she knew it was a good guy. And I remember she cooked that fucking ziti. And he came home and it was sitting there on the table. And she was like, I just want to have, I think we should celebrate. I think she would want this. And he just eats it and starts crying. And I remember thinking, like, you're such a bitch. You cooked the ziti. <laughs> like, when I was watching it. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, the new the new Soprano one's really good. I'm wondering if they're gonna like spin it off and do some more stuff. But anyways, um, Kevin and I had a date night on Saturday. We went and saw Bert Kreischer, who is like, he's probably one of my one of my probably top five favorite comedians. I love him. He is he's one of those guys that loves his wife, loves his kids. You know, they're but is not like in your face about it. It's like you can just genuinely tell he's a good guy. He's the one that he does a podcast with Tom Segura, who's my other comedian that I love. But um, and he said one time, he said, the reason I'll never cheat on my wife is because I'm selfish. And his friend Tom's like, why don't you elaborate on that for me? Like, explain mm-hmm. yourself. He Because Tom said, I know, because they're best friends. He was like, I know what you mean when you say that. He was like, but explain it. And Bert said, he said, I love my life exactly the way it is. He was like, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my home. I love my dogs. I love coming home at night, us being together. I love going on road trips together. I love going out and doing stuff. He was like, if I cheated on my wife, I would lose all that. And he was like, and I'm selfish. He was like, I don't want anything about my life to change. I want it all to stay the same. He was like, so I wouldn't do anything to fuck that up. And I was like, I really liked his explanation. And I thought that was kind of nice. But I remember reading an article. God, I'm trying to remember who the billionaire was. Fuck, it's not coming to my head. And he wasn't always a billionaire, but he got with a woman and he was like, Asked her to, he said, I asked her to marry her. And I said, when I asked her to marry her, I said, I will always be loyal to you, but you can never ask me to not strive for my dreams when it comes to work. Oh, wow. He says, I will, I will promise you loyalty. I will never cheat on you, but you can't ask me to like pull back from work. Oh man. That would be so hard though. Especially they're like addicted to their job. But, you know, we went and uh, we saw him this weekend and it was, I thought it was going to be more new material because we had seen him last year in 2020. He did the drive-in movie theater shows. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we like went and parked and watched them. So it was, some of that was the same material, but we got, I got so lucky when I booked, when I went on, like the second they went online, I got front row seats. So it was the cool experience because it felt like we were, it was a one man show kind of thing where uh-huh. it was right in front of us. It felt like he was doing the show for us. Yeah. There was this dickhead at the end of the aisle on the front row at the very end who was like saying the punchlines to the jokes as Bert would say them. It was like before he could say it, this guy would say it because they were older. Some of them were older jokes he had said before. And so, so weird. it was so fucking obnoxious. That we were just like, Kevin and I would look at each other and we're like, is he really, oh my, he fucking did it again. Like, and I don't know if he was just super drunk or he was just thought he was being funny for whatever reason. When we all got up to leave, the front row like stood up, that guy at the end just bolted out of there. Grabbed his girl, just fucking left. And everybody around him was so mad. You could tell this guy had realized when the lights came up that everybody was about to beat his fucking ass. (laughs) He got the fuck out of there. Because when we turned around and watched him, it was like all the people were standing there talking to each other, like looking for him. Like, where's the motherfucker? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Who does that? Who, who, I don't know. Some people just don't have good sense. I don't know. But it was a great show. It was an awesome experience. Like, I'm so glad I went. 
I remember going to a comedy show once. My mom got really good front row seats, and we're like dead front row, huge front center. Oh, no. And I'm laughing, enjoying it. I didn't know who the comedian really was. He did the puppets. Oh, Jeff Dunham. Yeah. Was it Jeff Dunham? And then his jokes like started going very like. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that, Republican or whatever. Yep. Anti- That's Jack I'm Dunham. Like, I'm like slinking down in my chair. You can even feel my mom like, because my mom was next to me like uh-huh. tense. And I'm like, why are we like front center for this? Because I can, <laughs> I'm not one to hide my face. Yeah. You will read every emotion across my face. There's yeah. like no hiding it. I'm yeah. like, like, raise them. And I can feel my mom do it too next to me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm never doing oh, pro again. No. Oh, that's all. Yeah, yeah. He get he's really bad about that lately too. He he really leaned into a lot of his more racist jokes. <laughs> oh, that would have been so uncomfortable, especially if you didn't know him. And I had you got no there, idea. Like, and I was like, <laughs> and I remember turning to look over at Rob, and he's like, just shakes his head. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I gotta get See, out of here. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I have a hard time sometimes too because I love Burt Kreischer. I love Tom Segura. Both of them are friends with Joe Rogan, who I can't stand. And, like, I don't understand how these two men who are powerful feminists and, like, very much, like, people should live their own lives, like, do what you want to do, you know, that sort of thing. Are they still to this day? Yes. Still. Right now. They are friends with him. And I don't understand it. Like, Joe Rogan's such a fucking bro. You know? Like, I don't. I don't get it. That's, like, a perfect word. And you know what? Tom does a podcast with his wife, Christina. And, like, she would never put up with that shit. So, I don't know how they're all fucking friends. And it makes me think, like, what if Joe Rogan is just some huge act that he puts on? Maybe if he's not, Maybe. what if he's not really like that? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. I don't know. Let's talk about book stuff. Let's talk about okay. eyeless crap. We're, we're, we're running long with me complaining about shit today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Alice brought us a book. It's called Julia's Desire. Um, she's got several books that she sent us that we're going to talk about. Um, I'll read you her author bio. Alice Glass is a Canadian romance writer. She enjoys books from Alexa Rowley to Suzanne Brockman. She loves writing stories as well as reading them. Her favorite books of all time is Mackenzie's Mission by Linda Howard. Things she also likes Linda are the- Howard. That's taken it back. I know. That's old school. Yeah. Things she also likes are the color green, wolves, books, cars, and the DC universe. Dirty Work is her first book. She's a hopeful romantic. She loves to write forbidden romances with some dirty talk and dirty alphas. When she's not writing, she's reading romance books or listening to music, preferably classic rock or country. There you go. Um, the book we have today, again, it's Julia's Desire. Um, I'll read you the book bio for that. Um, Julia, when I got called into his office, I for sure thought that I was going to get kicked out. I mean, he has clearly noticed the way I stare at him, but then I am greeted by a dominant hand and a handsome smile, taken into the arms of my professor and swept away into a fantasy that I also dreamed about. My only hope now is that the fantasy turns into reality. Anthony, wanting your shy and sweet student is against the rules. Craving to feel her skin under your hand is totally not allowed. Calling her into your office to talk about what you found in her room, probably crossing the line. That is, until I look into her eyes and see that she needs what I can give. I would be wrong not to give her what she wants, right? It's a submissive series short story with an age gap, teacher-student, slash light BDSM spanking. 
I think this is going to be really fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. A nice shot. Nice, sweet shot of BDSM. Mm-hmm. Um, Julia, or, sorry, <laughs> Alice said, this series was inspired by a porn commercial. That was all she said. I was like, I want details. I want to know the whole story. <laughs> It says, um, and she also noted on here that she met a woman in the Read Me Romance headquarters, and that's how she started to write and publish books. Nice. I know. I guess someone in the Read Me Romance community encouraged her to do this, which is fucking awesome. I love that. I know. So this book you're about to hear, Julia's Desire, is book 1.5 in the Submission series. The first book, Mary's Submission, is out now. The ebook for this book you're about to hear, Julia's Desire, will be live this week. Um, all books are novellas, they're short, and they are in the August Johnson School of Music series. It's a four book series, each with, uh, with each of the four friends getting a book. Julia's personality is a little based on Isla. She's very shy, introverted, and likes a little kinky romance. Um, like I said, the first book's Mary's Teacher, and then there's Julia's Desire that you're about to hear, and then she's got Jasmine's Rapture and Violet's Possession. Um, she has a book on sale this week. It's called Guys My Age and it's on sale all week. It's not on sale on Amazon and Eden, but all other retailers it's on sale for 99 cents, but she's in Canada. So it's actually like even her book that's listed as $2.99 is like $1.95 or something on Amazon here in America. So it's a little bit different. Um, and her giveaway this week, she's giving away some free eBooks from her series. So make sure you enter this week's giveaway. All right. Let's send them into the first half. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys on the other side. Bye. Bye. This is Julia's Desire by Aila Glass. Read for you by Gavin McAllister. Chapter 1 Julia I pluck the strings of my harp, loving the melody I'm creating. I'm playing Spanish Dance Number 1 by Manuel de Falla. I love this song. That's why I chose it as my midterm performance. At the end of each midterm, we play a piece of music for our teachers. In my case, it's Professor Ryan and Professor Keenan, and Professor Travers, the ridiculously attractive harp teacher. He's my main teacher, which is nice because it means I get to learn and stare at the Greek god that is Anthony Travers. He's tall and has blonde hair that's coiffed and shaved at the sides. He always wears a white button-up and different color slacks, depending on the day. On Mondays and Tuesdays, it's usually a light color, maybe beige or light brown, Wednesday to Thursday is strictly black slacks, and Friday he puts on his blue pants, which I really like. Sometimes he'll put on a tie, but he doesn't usually have a blazer or jacket. So you get to see his muscles wrapped in his white shirt. Is it weird that I've memorized his clothing schedule? Well, yes, but I am weird. I'm shy, and I like to watch instead of being a part of stuff. That's why I know what kind of clothing Mr. Travers wears, but I don't know what he would talk about, because other than what he teaches in class, I don't talk to him. I'm too nervous that I'll end up spilling all my dirty little secrets to him, because of course I would, if he asked. I'm in that puppy love stage, love struck by the stud currently watching me play my harp. 
He leans against his desk and swipes his lip with his finger while the other hand is on the desk next to him. He watches my fingers with fascination. Whether it's because of talent, speed, or he likes it, I don't really know. But I like it. I like it when he watches me. It makes me feel like one of the heroines in these romance novels that I read. I like to read the ones where the hero likes to watch them. Not in a stalkery way, but more in a I'm desperate for you, but I can't touch you yet way. I also like to read the BDSM books where the heroine gets in trouble and gets spanked. I take a breath and try to concentrate on what I'm doing, not only because Anthony is looking at me, but because the other students are too. You know, the students who are judgy and mean. The ones who were born with a silver spoon stuck up their ass and feel like it's okay to act like I'm not there. Sure, I'm quiet and I don't like to be talked to or looked at, but they don't have to be a dick about it. I am actually there. I try not to let it bother me. I talk to Mary about it because she deals with some similar things in her class, which is weird because Mary is the it girl, tall and blonde with great boobs and a killer smile. She likes and gets attention and she loves it, then she told me it was because of her beat-up cello case, and it clicked. Everyone here at this school is stupidly rich, so I guess an instrument case that has a ribbon in place of a zipper might be different to them. But again, it doesn't give them the right to be a dick. They're all adults. Mary, Jasmine, Violet, and I got our place in the school through scholarships. We were really good at music, practiced every day, even though we couldn't all afford tutors and summer classes. Mary only got taught through school. Jasmine did get a tutor, which was just the same teacher from our school, but they did after-school lessons. Violet went to summer classes once, and I heard it went to hell in a handbasket, and I did summer classes until we moved to the town where I met the girls, and then stopped. I moved here with my family when I was 16, my mother got a new job after being laid off, and my dad couldn't find a job where we lived. So we moved, and mom and dad got jobs, but they weren't exactly the most high-paying jobs. I felt like I could do it on my own, so in order to save money, I just took the classes in school. Then, at the end of our junior year, a man came to our school and was looking for students to go to this school. We all played for him, and a couple of weeks later, we got in. It was a dream. August Johnson's School of Music is one of the best. And I was so happy to get in. My dream is to be in an orchestra, and I'm hoping that this school will help me get into one if I'm lucky. I finish the song and put my hand on my lap and look up at Anthony. That was beautiful, Julia he says, his voice a deep, vibrating bass that makes my body shiver. The class claps and I put my head down and rub my fingers. The next student starts to play and I look up and see that Anthony is still looking at me, not at the student that sits in front of me. I look back down at my lap and when I look back up, he's looking at the student, watching his hand movements over the strings.
After class is finished, I get out of there as fast as I can. We leave our harps there because they're a lot of work to bring them from our rooms to class and back again. So we have our own harps in the classrooms and a harp that the school provides in our rooms in case we want to practice. I scurry out of the room and one of the students trips me. I fall right onto my face and I feel a strong hand on my arm helping me up. I look up and see Anthony. Mr. Travers, I start to say. Are you okay, Julia? He asks, his eyes dancing with worry and anger. Um, yeah, I'm fine. I look down again, and I hear Anthony's voice boom over me. How about you stick to being adult students instead of petulant children? He lets go of my arms and rubs my back and I resist the urge to lean into him. I look over at the other students, who all look embarrassed. It makes me believe, perhaps, that they will leave me alone now. This isn't one of those schools that will protect you regardless of how much money you have. If a teacher complains about you, you can end up getting kicked out. The students walk away, and I hold my notebook closer to me. Anthony again looks down at me and smiles softly. I don't think they'll bother you again, and if they do, you come to me and I'll talk to them, all right? I nod, but I don't say a word. Then I walk away. I go back to my room and shut the door and walk to my bedroom. Violet still isn't here and probably won't be for a couple more hours. So I read. It's what I do when I'm not playing. I don't really like to talk to people. Mary, Jasmine, and Violet are really the only people I will talk to. I just get too nervous and worry about saying something stupid, and that makes it definite that I will say something stupid, and it's all too stressful for me. So I stay in my room and read my romance books. I head to my desk where I keep them in the drawer and pull them out. I take out my books one by Tara Sumi, one by Cherise Sinclair. I have the Masters of the Shadowlands series, which is hot as fuck. It's got amazing characters, and their sexy times are the greatest. I have a couple by Cresley Cole and a few others. Most of my romance books are BDSM, and I love them the most. You can tell by the fact that they're almost tearing apart at the seams. I pull out one of my books and sit at my desk and read. I read for a few hours before I hear a knock on the door. I place my book on the desk and run out to the door. I look through the peephole before opening it, since if it's a stranger, that means I don't have to open it. But I see it's Jasmine, and I open the door. Hey, I say softly. Hey, Jules, listen, Mary's going to be playing at a coffee bar in about 20 minutes. You want to come? she says excitedly. I shuffle my feet, not really wanting to say yes and go outside, but wanting to support a friend. I look over at my room, then back at Jasmine, who stands there. All five foot seven of her in her brown skirt and red top, her eyes blinking, begging me to say yes. All right, I say, and Jasmine squeals and goes in for a hug. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mary will be so happy. 
I grab my coat and Jasmine drags me out of the room and we head to the elevator. Once we get outside, I'm able to put on my coat. We walk to the coffee bar since it's really close. The bell at the top of the door rings when we step inside and I see Mary with her cello out getting set up before the show. There are a lot of people here, which makes me nervous, but I stick close to Jasmine as we pass by the crowd and head to a couch just in front of the stage where Violet sits, her ankles crossed and her hands in her lap. Violet is just as shy as me, but is less nervous in social situations. She doesn't actively seek crowds unlike Jasmine and Mary, but she doesn't dislike them like I do. I sit on the couch next to her and we cuddle together. Jasmine leans over and asks, Does anyone want a coffee or something? Violet and I both shake our heads, so Jasmine sits down and picks up her coffee that she must have ordered before we got here. The crowd gets quiet and there's a spotlight on Mary. She sits in her chair with her cello between her legs and her bow in her hand. She looks off into the distance, and I look behind me to see that Professor Johnson is here. He smiles at her, and she smiles back. Then she begins to play. I always suspected that there was something going on between the two. They are basically keeping quiet for the sake of his job and Mary's reputation. He isn't technically Mary's teacher anymore since she changed teachers, but they could still end up being the talk of the school, which is never a good thing. Mary hasn't said anything about her love life, but I know that someday she will. Mary might be a loud bucking horse, but she is also really careful. She always seems to know what she's doing, and I trust her. She knows that we're all here for her no matter what, and considering she seems to be the only one getting laid, she can be a guide to those who will be getting laid in the future. I wonder when I'll have sex. I've never even kissed a guy before. I wonder what Anthony's kiss would feel like. I shake my head. That won't ever happen. He's my teacher, and that is that. Plus, with all that sex appeal that radiates off of Anthony... He won't want some shy virgin. Maybe that's okay. Someday I will find my one. And when that happens, it will be a glorious day. Chapter 2 Anthony I walk to Julia's room. I just want to check on her. She's such a shy girl and is the kind of girl that would never tell you how she was feeling. She wouldn't stand up for herself because she doesn't know how. Though, I don't need to be that guy who does it for her, but after they tripped her, I got angry. I can't deny that the shy girl at the back of the class gets to me. The way she blushes when she looks at me. The way she gets lost in the music she's making. I can't help my cock getting all sorts of ideas when she plucks at those strings. I'm not the kind of man that'll let things stop me from what I want. I am a take-the-bull-by-the-horns sort of guy. But I know that because of me being her teacher and 20 years older than her, I might have to either bide my time or drop it. And I can't drop it. She has me excited to get to work in the morning which is a feeling that I haven't experienced in a while. 
My job got repetitive. I go to work, I teach, I go home, and that's it. I even stopped going out for one-night stands and shit like that because it wasn't worth the time. Then, Julia walked into my class and it got my mind and other things tingling. With her short blue dress that clung to her body and flared at the hips and her black ballet flats, I never thought I'd be attracted to a woman like Julia. Most of my exes were larger-than-life kind of women. They partied and were out every night. It's probably why the relationships all also ended badly. From being cheated on to being ghosted... It wasn't until a couple of weeks later when I read in the paper she got hitched to some guy in Vegas that I thought maybe I should really think a little harder about the woman I was dating. Julia is the complete opposite. She's shy and sweet. She lets people through doors before her, and she always says thank you. She's such a sweet woman. When I get to her room, I see that the door is slightly opened. Concern whips through my body, and I push the door completely open and walk in. Julia, it's Professor Travers. Are you in here? I walk around her apartment, trying to see if she's here. I walk through her neat and tidy kitchen and her very clean living room. Back when I was in college, my place wasn't nearly as neat as this. Maybe it's because our room was filled with five dudes, but it's probably also because we didn't care. We were going from class to class, and then we would hang out, go to the gym, and go to bars. It was a wonder I even graduated in one piece. I got to become a teacher here after I went to a music college and managed to get an internship here. After a couple of years, I was offered a job as an assistant to another professor. Then I traveled in a band for a while to gain some experience, and a few years after that I got a job as an actual professor. At 30, I became one of the youngest teachers here. I played with bands and orchestras all across America and even went to Europe, which was amazing. I played classical music and modern music with an orchestral twist. I played for weddings and parties, and sometimes we'd get hired to perform in plays. I chose the harp specifically because I love the way that it looks and the sounds that it makes. It's very melodic and has a soft sound. I never would have thought it would lead me to meeting the most beautiful woman in the world. So far, being a teacher here has been super good. The students are always so great and motivated, with the exception of some who are kind of full of themselves, but their personalities aren't my problem. I'm just here to teach them how to play the harp professionally. I walk into Julia's bedroom, and when I realize she isn't there, I turn to leave, but something on her desk catches my eye. I resist the urge to snoop at first, but the cover caught my attention. I look closer, and it's a picture of a woman wearing handcuffs while a guy in the shadows holds a riding crop. I pick up the book and look at the back. The book is about a woman who wants to explore her kinky side, so she goes to a sex club and falls for one of the doms. She's bratty and likes to be punished, and when I look in the book, I read a scene where she's getting spanked. 
she got spanked because she didn't listen to him when he told her to come to him. My cock twitches in my pants, thinking about Julia reading this and her imagining herself in this situation. Imagining her touching her pussy while she pictures someone spanking her while she lies across someone's lap. I then set the book down and rub my face with my hands. I really shouldn't be thinking about this stuff, but I can't seem to help it. I adjust my cock, then step into the hall and close her door. I see a student walk by, and I ask her if she's seen Julia. Um, I think she went to the coffee house down the street. Thank you, I say, and the student walks away. While walking down the hall, I think of Julia and that book, wondering if she ever had the fantasy of being spanked and what she would look like over my knee. A smile curls on my lips as ideas come flooding into my mind. All the what-ifs. What if I asked her to come to my office? What if I were to put her over my knee and spank her? Would she say yes? Or would I scare her and send her screaming? Perhaps I should test it. Maybe tomorrow she'll have to come into my office for some reason and we can talk about this. Because if it's true and this is what she wants, I hope that she'll pick me as the man who can give it to her. Because I would love to give Julia what she wants. Chapter 3 Julia Hello, Mr. Travers. I greet the hot professor when I enter the room. I don't know why I'm here, but it makes me nervous and excited. I don't like that I may have done something wrong, but I also like that I get to see Mr. Anthony Travers. Hello, Miss Harris. Please, take a seat. I take a seat on one of his leather chairs. Mr. Travers heads to the door and locks it, then pulls down the blinds of his windows. Shit. Should I have taken into account that Mr. Travers could be crazy? Don't be nervous, Miss Harris. You are not in trouble. I feel myself calming at his words. Why am I here, then? I wring my fingers together. I usually don't like it when people stare at me. It makes me nervous. But somehow I feel hot when Anthony looks at me. His blue eyes look at me like I'm the only thing on his mind. And I think I like it. I think I like it a lot. He leans over to the side and takes something out of his desk. I went to find you after class to talk to you about something. I went into your room and looked at your desk and saw these. On his desks are my romance books, this school doesn't exactly condone that kind of material. I've been careful trying to hide it from the headmistress and any other students that might tell on me. Despite all of us being adults, technically, some girls still have that mean girl mentality. I thought I was doing so well. I guess after my reading, I forgot to place them underneath my bed. Oh, God. I'm in trouble. Like I said, Julia, you are not in trouble. Julia, he said my first name. 
Mr. Travers doesn't call anyone by their first name, not even his best friend, Liam Johnson, another professor here. What, uh, what then, um, I'm so sorry, I stutter. I didn't know you were a fan, he says, catching me off guard. Um, yeah, well, when you don't have a love life, you live through books. I slap a hand over my mouth, wondering when the hell I got so candid. The contents of these books are quite intense. I look at Mr. Travers carefully. He doesn't look mad or annoyed. He looks turned on. I bite my nails. Do you like these books, Julia? Do you wish it was you in these stories? If this were any other person, I would say he's out of line. But when those words come out of Mr. Travers' mouth, I can't help feeling a tingle downstairs. Mr. Travers? Please, call me Anthony, he says and smiles. Mr. Trav- Anthony, if you're going to punish me, then please do it now. I can't take this, I say honestly. Do you want to be punished? He asks. My eyes widen, and I close my legs harder. God, I am so turned on. Fear of getting in real trouble slowly ebbs away, and I am only left feeling like jumping Anthony's bones. I will ask you again, Julia. Do you wish you were these characters? Whenever you read a scene where they have sex, do you imagine it's your pussy they're thrusting into? Your pussy, they're licking and sucking. I swallow, and I'm left with no words but one. Yes. Would you like me to help you? Take away that ache that those books give you. Do I? Yes, I do. I so do. But I shouldn't because what also happens in these books are happily ever afters, love, family, and children. They don't end in a quickie in an office, and as much as I love the sex scenes in these books, I love more the love that these characters share, the way they crave and want each other, to want to wake up with them forever. But instead of saying no, I say yes, Anthony smiles and gets up off of his chair. This seems unethical, I say, just wanting it to be clear to him that this is technically not allowed. Anthony rounds the desk and takes a seat on the edge. He looks at me like a tiger staring at its prey, with a finger on his lip and his eyes dark and full with lust. Do you want me to stop? he asks. Do I want him to stop? Not particularly. No, I breathe. Anthony's lips curl as if he knew what I was going to say. He kneels next to me and places his hand on my knee. Ever so slowly he slides up my leg towards my throbbing pussy. I suck in a breath and let it out slowly, loving the feeling of being possessed by this man the way he holds my stare while getting closer and closer to my hot core. 
gently touches me for the first time, my eyes close and my head goes back. Ugh. Just a single touch has my pussy creaming and begging for more. Such a pretty pussy, Anthony whispers in my ear, then gives it a little nip. I feel his fingers move my panties aside, and he touches me gently. So wet. My legs spread involuntarily, wanting to make room for more of his delicious touch. Anthony's whispers in my ear have me getting just as hot as his touch. This is so wrong. He is my teacher. Tomorrow, he'll be at the front of my class explaining melodies and overtones. And I will have to sit there with the memories of his fingers on my pussy. I should tell him to stop, to forget this ever happened, and the books that he saw meant nothing. But I can't. The part of my brain that would otherwise tell him to back off is taking a snooze and doesn't want to be disturbed. But if we're not careful, I will be kicked out, and Anthony could get fired. Or worse. But then I open my eyes and see Anthony looking at me intensely. His eyes are dark, and I can see the need in them. Even a woman as inexperienced as me can see that. He wants me. Enough to risk his job. If you don't tell me to stop this, he warns, right now, this second, I won't. I recall all the romance books I've read about the woman who was asked this same question. The doubts they had in their head when their dream man asked them to tell them to stop. And how they didn't. They didn't tell them to stop. They told them more. Faster. Harder. More. I take another deep breath and say those words that I've been aching to say to him. I want you, and I don't want you to stop. I want more. Anthony gets up, his fingers leaving my pussy. He rounds the desk and sits in his chair, and for a second I think he's about to tell me to leave, that I told him the wrong answer. But then he smiles a wicked smile, and I know that perhaps this was the single greatest decision I've ever made, second only to applying for this school. You love those dirty books, he asks. I nod. Do you like it when those women get punished for doing something wrong? I nod again. Well then, Miss Harris, it's time for you to be punished. After all, it's against school rules to have intimate relationships with your teachers. So... Come here, pretty one. He crooks his finger at me, and I get up on shaking legs and round the desk. Then I get pulled over his lap. Oof. Anthony pulls my dress above my waist, exposing my panty-covered ass. What a gorgeous ass, he remarks, and I feel his big palm over my cheeks, petting them, getting them ready for the punishment. The first slap comes down, and I didn't anticipate how much it was actually going to hurt. No romance book could get me ready for the aching pain radiating on my ass, 
and the aching of my pussy that follows. Words don't come out of my mouth. Just a little peep. You have to be quiet, Julia. You don't want the students or other teachers to hear you, do you? He gives me another slap on the butt, and I yelp again. If you can't keep that mouth under control, I'm going to have to fill it for you. My hips wiggle on his lap, and I can feel his hard cock on my stomach. But then he halts my movements by putting his arm on my hips, keeping me down. Do you want other people to hear you, Julia? He asks. Do you want Professor Ryan or Professor Keenan to hear your cries? My face blushes and I almost come at his dirty words. A shy girl like me doesn't want other people's attention. You don't want to be looked at or paid attention to. But my body seems to like the idea of someone catching us. The thought of being caught and looked at while Anthony does dirty things to my body. I guess there is this part of me that wants the thing that scares me the most. Attention. I see that you do. Anthony says as he puts his fingers back into my panties and circles my soaking wet clit. No, I don't, I whisper, and I get another slap, and I let out another yelp. Liar. You know liars get punished, right? You don't get to lie to me, Julia. He gives me another slap, and I cover my mouth, trying not to make a noise. Here, let me... Anthony sticks his fingers in my mouth and they act as a gag. There. Now you can't make a sound. He spanks me again. Three, four more times he spanks me. It's okay to like it, Julia. He coos and rubs my raw ass. You are such a beautiful girl. He takes the hem of my panties and slides them off my leg all with one hand still in my mouth. You have such a beautiful ass. I moan against his fingers as Anthony slips a rather large finger inside of me. I moan louder when he crooks it inside of me and he grazes my G-spot. He takes his fingers out of my mouth and gives me another spank. I manage to hold in a yelp, but I give in to another moan. We might have to take this somewhere more private if you can't behave. I don't really catch what he's saying. I'm lost in the feeling of his fingers slowly thrusting in and out of my pussy. I feel an orgasm brewing inside of me. My muscles start to constrict around his hand and I squeeze one of my hands on his knee. You going to come, Julia? All over your professor's finger? He thrusts faster then he adds another finger, and I explode. He covers my mouth with his hands as I moan out my orgasm. I can imagine his fingers coated in my juices, and I swear I come again. Such a good girl. Not much of a punishment, but we can save a proper punishment for later. The prospect of doing this later fills me with joy, and I smile behind his hand. Anthony uncovers my mouth and sits me in an upright position. He holds me still since my legs are like jello. 
After a few moments, I get my bearings, and Anthony tilts my head up, so I look at him. Do you want to continue this in your room? I think Mary is preoccupied by Liam at the moment. I hold tightly to Anthony, hoping that this is not a dream, that this is real, and we are starting something important, that this is not a mistake. Yes, Anthony, I want to so badly. I want more. Welcome back. Hi. So, like I said, go ahead and enter this week's giveaway. So for some free ebooks, grab Guys My Age on sale. Meet us back here on Thursday for the second half of Julia's Desire. And check out all Isla Glass's stuff on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple. It's everywhere. Eating books. Go for it. Put everything in the show notes. Awesome. Right. Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance.